Uh, we're in Romans chapter 8. Far be it for me to preach to you. I'm not a preacher. I'm a teacher. And I want to teach. And I want to I I bless you because I think this is a tremendous blessing, this chapter. Paul wrote the book on security. I told you before I don't like the phraseology, eternal security. It sounds kind of like I'm a punk. It sounds like I can do anything I want. I can, God, I'm saved and it doesn't matter. Well, <laughs> it doesn't. I don't know how else to say it. It matters. It matters a lot. It matters. I, I say it all the time. Choose to sin, choose to suffer. I had a real good week, and I'm no more saved than if I had a real bad week. True or false? It's true. It's true. And we're going to learn how true it is. Now, I'm not inviting you to have a bad week. I'm just going to tell I don't want to... I don't want to embellish, I don't want to change, I don't, but I want to explain what Paul is saying to us. And I want to say it in such a way that you have confidence in what God has done. And if you have confidence in what you're doing to maintain your salvation, I would, as your brother who loves you dearly, I would disenfranchise you of any weird notions like that. Well, I've been praying all week, and I've been, I've, I fasted two days this week, and I, I was just, man, you sound like that Pharisee that Jesus said went from the temple full of all self-righteousness, and we don't want to be that. We want to have our trust, our confidence, our hope in God, and that's kind of where I'm going with this, but I think that's where Paul's going with this. So let's pray, let's ask God's blessing on our time in the Word, and let's just jump right in, shall we? Father, this is high ground in the, in the New Testament. Choice. Best. We love it. We can't get enough of Romans chapter 8. And Lord, I'm not a gifted preacher. We, we, we've all, we, all, we can all agree to that. But still, Lord, your word is your word. And, and I, I don't consider my giftedness the, the biggest thing. I consider the Spirit of God the, the, the spirit of truth will lead us into all truth according to the promise of Jesus. I consider him the thing that's going to get us to the place you want us to be. So Spirit, take your place, if you would, Holy Spirit, uh, in, in teaching us, in making us receptive to your truth. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, so we, this is our third foray into this chapter. And so, uh, we're done most of it. We're going to look at the last, I think, 10 or so verses, starting in verse 28. I guess 11, 12 verses, if you want to count them all. Okay, 12 verses. You think we can get there? It's a lot. It's a lot. Okay, I'm just going to tell you, it's a lot. To explain, it's a lot. Verse 28, we know that all things work together for good. Now, if I say that and I have, say, okay, everyone raise their hand who think, don't do it. It's a trap. Don't, don't fall into it. If I say, everyone raise your hand. If you think all things work together for good, if you raise your hand, that's wrong. That's wrong. It's conditional. Let's look at the conditions. It's very important. Not all things work together for good. If you read Isaiah 63, and you see the king of glory coming, and, and visiting Edom with his wrath, and squishing them like so many grapes, as they're being squished, killed by Jesus Christ, at Armageddon, they won't say, yeah, this is good. This is wonderful. I love this. Okay? It's conditional on a couple things, okay? And I, wanna, I want us to understand the things. We know that all things work together for good. And, and, and by the way, 
You're going through it. You're really struggling. You're up against it. And someone comes along, all poly in, say, yeah, we know that all things work together for good. Is that true? They should probably shut up. They should probably weep with those who weep. They shouldn't. It, it's true, but it's, it's kind of like, it, it, it stings it's like salt on our open wound if we carefully and lovingly remind people that, hey, God's in control of this. Listen, I know you're going through it. Is God God or is he not God? Is he sovereign or is he not sovereign? And that's a good place, right? Hey, all things work together for good. Cheer up. I know your wife died, you loved her, and you've been married 25 years, but you should just do a tap dance. You're cruel and you're not being helpful. But I've seen people do that, and that's why I'm mentioning it, okay? We, we, want to, we want to speak the truth in love, and the other option is shut up, okay? Because I think we say, well, it's true, but that's, yeah, but again, speak the truth in love. There's a place where we remind somebody of Romans Chapter 8, 20, I got a tab in my Bible. I check it every day just to make sure it's still there. I mean, this is one of my, I mean, right? Because we're going through it. And I have to remember, God is good, and the things that I'm going through is good. But I'm going to qualify two things. The thing and what good means. Okay? All things work together for good to them that love God. Ah, <laughs> that's different. That's different than being, you know, squished like so many grapes on Judgment Day. Okay, that, that's, that's different. He loves us. And after we determine that he loves us, then we know that all things work together for good. And we'll qualify good here. We know all things work together for good to them who love the Lord, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now, we're called... And the calling is according to his purpose. Put that on back burner for now. We're going to take that back out. Sometimes in my zeal to show us that we're not Calvinists, and I'm not, sometimes I, this isn't a Calvinist passage. This is the Bible. I'm going to teach the Bible. I'm not going to teach Calvinism. I'm not a limited atonement I don't remember all the points in Tulip that I'm not, but I, I'm, not, I'm not that, okay? But what you should understand is God has called us, and it's according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now we've just discovered the what it, the interpretation of what God means when he says good. What the thing you're going through, the, the negative test from the doctor, the, the relationship that's going sideways, the, the, we're not cavalier, we're not unconcerned, we're not, not caring, but we understand that God's at work. And the thing that you're going through is making you more like Jesus Christ. Therefore, it's not only good, it's very good. I, I'm not saying not hard. I'm just saying, so th this is a great comfort to me, okay? Personally, it's a great comfort to me. Boy, I'm up against it. I lost my job and my dog died and whatever it is, whatever it is, God's 
at work. You think, boy, he's, he should work better. He should work harder. No, 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 no. He's a sovereign. He knows what it takes to make us more like Jesus. You don't know that road map. You know, I think about like uh, children. I, single moms, God bless you. God bless Hard thing. Uh, how are you going to take a little boy and turn him into a man or a man of God? Do you know the road map? Do you know, lady, what it is to make a, a boy a man? Your husband knows. Oh, you're not married. Uh, well, the church knows. And there are guys who would, would help out with that. But here's the thing. Mom's on her own. Try and best she can. God bless her. I, I understand. But she, she has no more chance of success than... Uh, I, I, would, I would pray real hard. I would lean in on God. I would... I would ask men in the church, you know, like the big brother to mentor my, my son. Otherwise, see, you see how overmatched she would be? You see how overmatched you would be on your own to try to get to be like, I'm just going to make all the choices that are going to make me more like Jesus Christ because I, I know them instinctively. With my fallen, broken heart, I know how to get there intuitively. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> no, I don't. But God knows how to get me there, and that's why he's working all things together. And it's a good thing, even the troubled times, even the hard times, even the difficult times. As we look back over things that have happened in our life, difficult things, isn't that some of the best growth times in our life spiritually? But I, she knows, but then you know that. You look back and you say, yeah, that was really hard. I, oh, I never want to be there again, but boy... Boy, I really found the Lord was ministering to my heart in that. A friend of mine uh, called me last week, prostate cancer, and he saw the doctor this week and called me. I called him. Oh, I'm going to see the doctor tomorrow, so I was going to call him back, but he called me and said, yeah, radical surgery. I'm going to take out the whole prostate. That's not a good day. That's, that's a bad. He said, Adam, you know, I really have a piece about it. God's ministering my heart, and I really have a peace. When the doctor starts removing parts of your body, unless it's a tooth or something, or, or something you don't want at all, like a wart removal surgery, I, I don't know. I never cried over a wart that was removed. But most of my parts that I, I have them all, I still have my tonsils, my adenoids. My, I got my wisdom teeth. I got, I got everything. I, I get the whole, I get an appendix. I get, l listen, if God issued it at birth, I want it. It's part of the, I, I still want it, okay? Uh, you can live without a prostate. You can live without a gallbladder. You can live without a spleen. Yeah, we know that, okay? Uh, we watched all the medical shows, but we'll just soon have these things. They're probably there for a reason. Let's keep them, okay? Now, if he's saying we're removing your uh, prostate, that's a bad day. He says, no, no, I'm, I'm just relying on God. It's all good. But, and I can tell you situation after situation, but you've lived through the situations where the bad news came and so did the peace that passes all understanding and you realize God is working. That's what I'm saying. That's how we know that all things are working together for good to them that love the Lord. He is predestinating us. So our, our, our Christianity isn't a destination heaven. Well, it is, but that's not all it is. You are being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Please, somebody say amen. Isn't that a wonderful thing? 
Isn't that good? Because me, I've known for a long time. Um, here's a spiritual term. I'm icky. Uh, what does the Bible say? Uh, bro, my heart is deceitful, wicked, desperately sin-sick. It, it can't even be fixed. Icky, in a word. And God says, yeah, I, I, I got the cure for that, Adam. I'm going to make you a new creation in Christ. And I'm going to bring about changes in your life that are going to make you more like Jesus. That entails suffering, I'm afraid. Not all, not always. Not all. Your life isn't one long suffering, suffering. Every day I suffer. Oh, how I suffer. It's not like that, but there's suffering involved. The fellowship of his suffering. Remember, we visited that many times in Philippians chapter 2. That gives way to uh, resurrection. We may know the fellowship of his su suffering being, in, being made conformable unto his death. What happens after that? Resurrection. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Resurrection. And we know the resurrection power of Jesus Christ through these sufferings. All things work together for good to them that love the Lord, who are the call according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he, he, his Son, might be the firstborn among many brethren. He's the first fruits, and we're that which comes after. He's the first part of the harvest, we're the harvest. And that glorifies Jesus Christ, us becoming like him. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, them he also justified. Whom he justified, them he also glorified. Let's go back. Okay, verse 28, called, right? Uh, verse 29, foreknow. Uh, verse 29, predestinate. Uh, and then he picks it up again in verse 9. I mean in uh, verse... Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Verse 30. Them he also called, whom he called, them he also justified, whom he justified, them he also glorified. I can take you through the whole thing. There's six steps there from calling to glorification. Where are we? We're five sixths of the way through. He's going to take us there and then leave us. No glorification for you. And think about it all. Think about this all. I go to prepare a place for you. A mansion, if you're King James and you like mansions. I, it means dwelling place. You say, I don't get a mansion. It's opulent. Look, in heaven, pavement is gold, right? It, it, it's, it's mansion enough, okay? I, I, I don't know if I have a use for a mansion. It's got... Uh, uh, 27 uh, bedrooms and 14 bathrooms, you're presupposing you'd have a use for either one of those things. And I don't know about, I don't know how big I want my mansion to be. I don't want to live down the road or across the, across the street or around the corner from God. I want to live in God's house. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. Okay, I, that's where I want to live, okay? Just... Just saying. Can you imagine you have a dwelling place in heaven and there's a vacancy sign for rent, <laughs> for occupancy. Jesus didn't quite get you there. He dealt you fifth, five, six of the way, then, oops. You know, he says that you are in my hand and the Father's hand. Nobody can get you out. Uh, if 
You lose your salvation somehow. I got a new name for, for Jesus Christ. We're going to call him Butterfingers from now on. I don't believe. And I never have believed in the concept of conditional life. I believe in eternal life. But let's keep going. Let the scripture say what the scripture says. Uh, whom he called, them he also justified. And we talked about justified, just as if I'd never sinned. Whom he justified, them he also glorified. And that really means that, by the way. That's not some cute little mnemonic to help you remember it. That's what it means. Justified means it's just like you never have sin. There is no record in heaven. Remember we talked about that, that Rolls Royce breaking down? Remember that? That silly little... There is no record anywhere in heaven or elsewise of you ever breaking down. You are, in Christ, perfection. Just as if you'd never sinned. And that's what it means. And for those he justified, them he also glorified. What does that mean? It means the redemption of our body. For, for, and it's not, remember the, uh, he said the, the sufferings of this present age are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. He didn't say to us, in us. Glorification, the raising of you to I, I, don't, I, I can't say too much about it. Why? Because the Bible doesn't say too much about it. It does say, I have not hear, heard, I have not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered into the hearts of men the things God has prepared for them that love him. I'd like to tell, about, tell you about it in detail, but I don't know the details. I haven't been there yet. Glorification. In heaven, with him, living with Jesus Christ forever in a resurrected body and all that entails. I'd like to hear your insights on it. Mine, not so much. I, I can imagine, uh, but I can only imagine. Boy, I should write a song. Only imagine. Okay, so he's, he's done all this. Okay, he's called us. He's justified us. He's going to glorify us. It's, it's a certainty. What shall we say to these things? What, okay, so here we are. What, 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 do we, what can we say about that? We can say this. If God be for us, who could be against us? Now, I want you to understand, who can be against us? Everybody. Uh, uh, Dawkins is against us. All atheists are against us. Your friends who don't love Jesus are against us. It may be that your parents are against you, or your brothers or sisters. Everyone can be against us. Everyone of a different religion is against us. That's not the point. The point is, who can be against us successfully? My parents were very sad about the choices that I've made spiritually. I rejected their religion, and I became a Bible believer, a born-again Christian instead. They were very, very distressed about my choices. I can't overstate that. So, I mean, I mean uh, loved mom, loved dad, Devoted son. So, it didn't change my status with God. God says, you know, your mommy doesn't approve. I hate you now. Sorry, Adam. This is what I'm saying, okay? Who can be against us successfully? Who can, who can stop us? Who can separate us from the love of God? We're going to see that. Uh, what, what are we going to say? Look, God's called me. He's uh, foreordained, predestined, however you want to say. He's uh, brought me to that place of justification 
we, this isn't entailing sanctification, but that's part of the process. We've looked at that, Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 7, the, the sanctification process, and now glorification. And salvation has all those things in mind. What, is, what, what, hap, what, 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 can, what can we say uh, about these things? Hey, if God's for us, if God's on our team, who can be against us? He who spared not Oh, b- before we get there, I, wanna, I just want to, I kind of made a mental note that I just almost didn't <laughs> maintain. Let's go to John chapter 6. I want to show us something. John chapter 6, he feeds the 5,000 and they follow him around. I think they want him to be the bread king. Uh, he's teaching on, uh, you know, the bread that came down from heaven. And in verse 35, he says, Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye ye also have seen me and believeth not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Boy, that sounds very much like Romans chapter 8. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. That sounds like justification to me. You come to Jesus, is it conditional? Like, yeah... Too dirty. Uh, what, you killed somebody? No, no, no. <laughs> no salvation for you. Oh, you're an idolater, an adulterer, a murderer, a thief, a liar. Well, I've got, hey, I've got my standards, God says. I, I, I can't just, every Tom, Dick, and Harry who shows up here and starts asking for forgiveness, I think, I, what, I'm just supposed to forgive them? Imagine because a lot of people think about God that way. Imagine living like that. We did. I did at one point in my life. I thought I had to maintain a certain level of holy for God to accept me, for God to love me. Oh, no, no, no. All the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me, ah, there's no way I'd cast him out. I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Yeah, well, what's that, Jesus? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Verse 39, and this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but raise it up again at the last day. Or in a word, glorification. Can I say that? This is the will of him that sent me. That everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Yeah, but if I come to Jesus, he's going to look at my sin. He's going to say, oh, forget it. You ain't. I would never do that, Jesus said. You come to me. I wouldn't. There's no way I'd cast you out. There's no way I'd say. And we look at Scripture and we can see all the ne'er-do-wells and the sinful and the wicked and the you don't have to look to scripture you can look to your own life like i do anyway back to romans chapter eight now what shall we say to these things if god is for us who can be against us he that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us uh, for us all how shall he not with him also freely give us all things have you thought that all the way out in ephesians i, I said it earlier God has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. 
what part of salvation has he left undone? He brought us 92% of the way. Last 8% is up to you. Come on, let's get, it, get in there. And, are, you, are you kidding me? I don't care if it's 99.9. I don't accept that. If, if there's something on me, I know who I am. I, I, I can't keep my end of that 1%, one-tenth of 1%. can't keep my end of the bargain, Lord. Forget about it. Thanks, no thanks. It's not going to work for me. He's given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. You know, this is in the uh, Old Testament as well. I was teaching last night into a microphone because you know our Psalms is online. I usually do it Saturday night. Sometimes I do it Friday night if I'm having a really good week. But anyway, Psalm uh, 84. You know the, uh, the Psalm, for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. We love that song, song don't we? Uh, we all know that verse. You know the verse that comes after it? For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Was he? So he can you figure this out? God gave us his son. Now he's going to cheap out when it comes to a job. Here's my son. He died for your sins. In him you can have eternal life. Oh, thank you, Lord. Praise you. Praise your holy name forever. Hey, Lord, I, I, I want a job. I want to be able to support my family. No, no, no job for you. Uh, I know people pray for a life partner. Um, well, I've been praying for a life partner, God, and I don't have one. Yet, yet, why, why not, Adam. All things work together for good. I'm not being cavalier. Please, please don't think I am. All things work together for good to them that love the Lord or the call according to his purpose for whom he did foreknow he did predestinate to become unto the likeness of the image of his son. I never try to memorize that, not even once ever. Just when you read something long enough, it just kind of starts to stick. Look, I told you I prayed for a million dollars. I prayed to win the lottery. I told you that silly, stupid story, right? Why didn't I get it? God can manipulate numbers or something like that. Now, th your pastor doesn't play the lottery. One time I did, and I'm just like you. I grew and, you know, went through these different detours and down these alleys and did stupid things like play the lottery. Uh, a self-tax on the mathematically challenged. So I did all those stupid things, and I would pray, Lord, I want to win the lottery. Why didn't he let me? Because all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, who are the call according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate, to become under the likeness of the image of his Son, and winning the lottery wouldn't have got me closer to being like Jesus Christ. It would have made me evil and rebellious and lazy and stupid. People... When you, when you take a big chunk of money and throw it in somebody's lap who doesn't know anything about earning and what money's worth or anything like that, they, they, it, they never hold on to it. They just blow through it, and then there's divorce and ruin and pennilessness and all those things. God says, no, I love Adam. I love you more than that. I'm not going to do that to you. You see, you see how this works? Okay. He that spared not his son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? 
God, what's missing from my life right now? What's missing? Um, let me see. I'm going to make an inventory. Let's see, quick. Nothing. I get everything I need. I get everything I need in the physical and in the spiritual, in the emotional, in the social, in the recreational. I have also, I don't know if everyone can say this, everything I want. And if I want it, I, I, I believe that I can go and get it. But I don't want it or I'd have it. You can look at my house. <laughs> you say, uh, yeah, you don't have an Arctic cat snow sled. Yeah, not really. That wouldn't bless me. If, I, if it did, I'd, I'd, go, I'd, I'd go get one. And I would try to drive it to the glory of God. Like all the things in my life, I try to, you know. Um, so I have everything I need, and I think I have everything I want. Why? Because God, he's given me his son. He's not going to cheap out on stupid material things, but he'll give me the things that are a benefit, not the things that are just, you know, you have not because you ask not. And then when you ask, you ask amiss that you might consume it on your own lust. I'm not that indulgent dad. And, but we know that. We don't give our kids ice cream and cookies and licorice and bubble gum and potato chips. We, well, we probably give them all those things in moderation. And at times, but if, you know, if we didn't say no to our kid, they'd be, by the time they ate, they wouldn't have a tooth in their head. They'd be 400 pounds and with acne. An eight-year-old would just, all their teeth falling out of their head, and it would be a horrible thing if we gave all our kids everything they wanted. We're not indulgent parents. We know, hey, broccoli. <laughs> no, you need your broccoli. This is good. Asparagus. Here you go, son. You know. Okay. Uh, he's going to give us all things, and I want to qualify the all things and the all things that are good, that make us more like Jesus Christ. But at the end of the day, he's not leaving us holding the bag. Lord, I don't have money. I don't have enough to... No. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. I've lived 63 years now. And let me tell you something. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread just saying just saying okay I, I don't know how many of you can testify that and say amen to that but that's that's the way I see it because he gave us Jesus with him won't he give us all things but we're talking specifically about glorification and and redemption and getting to heaven okay but I want to tell you that's yeah that's a go that's Full on, going to happen. And the proof is all the little things he gives us in the interim. He's a loving heavenly father. He knows how to bless. I've said only, what, a million times? Now, picking up on if God is for us, who can be against us? Read verse 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? People can be against us, but not successfully. Uh, let's cut right to the chase. It's God that justifies. Who can lay anything in the charge of God's elect? So Satan comes, and, he's a, and we have this idea here. He appears before the throne. He's the accuser of the brethren. Now, if he accuses me to me, sometimes he gains traction because I'm not always that bright. Sometimes I'm, I'm a knucklehead, and sometimes I'm listening to his accusations. Anybody else ever do that? 
It's, it's, it's not, yeah, yeah, Tommy. Not, it's not bright, but we do it sometimes. Now, if he goes to God, if he's that, if he's that confused that he thinks he's going to get traction with God, so he comes to, can, can you imagine? He's in the presence of God, and he says, yeah, this brother over here, this sister over here, they're an uh, adulterer, they're a murderer, they're an idolater. Who's going to lay anything to the charge of God's elect? God says, under the blood, under the blood, under the blood. Well, I, I can't hardly picture Satan being that stupid wasting his time. Is he? We're not arguing the case. He, doesn't, he, he lies all the time, but he doesn't have to. He's got the goods on all of us. He says all these things, and it's not even a, a question of Oh, a guilty or innocent. God doesn't say, he doesn't acquit us on our innocence or on our guilt. He acquits us on the fact that somebody has paid the price. Not that we didn't do it. The gavel comes down. Justified. Not not guilty. That's, a, that's something that we should really remember. Uh, who's going to lay anything to the, God, the charge of God's elect? God that justifies, what's he, what's he, what's he going to change his mind? What's Satan come with some new piece of evidence? DNA evidence, you know, you see all them CSI, sh- I wouldn't watch them, they're too grisly for me, but you, you see all them shows and now there's new forensics, new stuff, and now we can, that person, that crime that never got solved, now we can, you think, you think like Satan's in the CSI, he comes before God, hey, I just found this out about Adam. Look at this. And God says, oh, I never knew that. Thank you. Uh, Adam, we've got to open that, uh, that court case back up. Uh, you were acquitted, but now, <laughs> no, no. I'm afraid my friend Satan here has come up with some new damning evidence. And speaking of damning, uh, you're out, son. Forget about it. Do we, do we suppose that that could even happen even a little bit? No, no, no. God is, you know, you're justified. It's just as if you'd never sinned. When he did that, he knew all the sins I'd committed. He knew all the sins I would commit. They're all under the blood. Now, I know, I know, some of us think like this, like kind of a Catholic confessional kind of thing. We're good up to the point where we say, yeah, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And then there's probably some penance involved. That's why we have some of the suffering in our life. And then, and then but if we don't confess these sins, then, you know, they're still out there. We still have to give, you don't understand justification. You, I'm sorry, I, I'm a bad teacher. You don't understand justification. I didn't, I didn't teach it to you well enough. Jesus died for all of our sins, even the ones that we hadn't even committed. I haven't filled up yet my resume of sin. I still haven't committed all the sins I'm going to commit. I don't want to commit them like willy-nilly, like, I don't care about God, I'm going to do what I want. It's not even like that. You guys know me. So, but you know this, that I'm still a sinner. My heart is still it's being redeemed. He's, he's making changes in me, and I still have my flesh eruptions in my uh, wrong thoughts about God in my, and sometimes I still choose to sin and I still choose to suffer. 
All my sins are under the blood, even the ones that I haven't even committed yet. Now, I think it's important that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. I think it's important to confess our sins. It clears the air. Does it change me as far as change my status? I sin, I'm out. I confess, I'm back in. I sin, oh, I'm out. Confess, oh, whoop, whoop, right back the sun again. I was born again, but then I was unborn again. If, so I have to create words, unborn again. Uh, but then I confess, now I'm born again again. I'm on my 15,000th born again. Right? No, it's God who justifies. Who is he that condemned? It is Christ that died, yea, rather is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, also maketh intercession for us. Who I would like to tell you is not schizophrenic. On one hand, the right hand of God, on one side of the equation, he's saying, uh, yeah, uh, Adam, yeah, I know, I know. He's a project of mine, God. I, I'm working on him, and he's, he's going to be uh, uh, in my image. Uh, He's got a long way to go. Uh, what I want you to do for him is this and this. He's working. He's actively making intercession for me. He's like the Spirit who prays on my behalf. I'm not even sure about what I should be asking, but the Spirit of God is actively working on behalf of me. The triune Godhead is working on my behalf. Now, God has already acquitted me. Jesus died for my sins, right? The sins that don't exist anymore. It's just as if I'd never sinned. He's seated at the right hand of God. He's making, actively making intercession for me. At the same time, he's saying, yeah, Adam, God, I don't know if he's going to make it. I think we have to file him. Yeah, look, look. Call it a pet project, didn't work out. Let's scratch the whole thing. He's out. I, okay. No, no, he's not schizophrenic. He's, he's working on my behalf. Can you imagine Jesus praying to God on your behalf and God not answering? Who is he that condemns? It is Christ that died, yea, rather is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. God's not against us. Uh, so then, if God is for us, who can be against us? Well, God is for us. Jesus Christ is for us. The Holy Spirit of God is for us. Satan's against us. But he's no traction in heaven. He doesn't have any cachet, no power. It's not like his word carries any weight in heaven. Okay. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Let's go through these quickly. Uh, quick, <laughs> okay. Let's go through these quickly. Uh, tribulation just means distress. It uh, just means uh, bad things happening to us, like the unfavorable, yeah, you've got uh, uh, prostate cancer, your prostate has to go. That would be tribulation, okay? Will that make us unsaved? No. Distress, that's emotional turmoil. That's in, in inner, okay? That's like the great loss in our life, the great heartache, uh, will that separate us from the, the love of, of Christ? No. Persecution. <laughs> no. 
I, I told you before, and some of you have taken me up on this. Uh, you should listen every week to um, the um, Voice of the Martyrs podcast. Stitcher, Apple, wherever you get your podcast, they have it. Uh, there's an app, right? Bob, Bob showed me an app. It has like it's it's it has that on it, but it's it's even. You can you can iPhone. So it's on Apple, uh, the the app, and it's probably on Google Play as well. But anyway, uh, it's a whole app, and it gives us a story and uh, and the podcast and other things, and it gives you a background how to pray and bring some of these people. Hey, persecution is happening more than it's ever happened in this world right here, right now. Is it separating people from Jesus Christ? No, it is not. I think it's fueling the fire. I think Satan overplays his hand when he persecutes. I really, really do. Uh, every time he, somebody, one of us dies for Christ's behalf, others rise up to take his place. Uh, persecution, will that separate us from the love of Christ? No, it doesn't. It just brings us into his arms sooner for its persecution to death, right? Uh, or famine. That's a strange one. Famine separate us from the love of Christ? No. No. Nakedness. Wait a second. What's that? Um, public shame is the idea. I mean, it means nakedness, but it means kind of a public humiliation. Would that separate us from love of Christ? No. Or peril just means impending bad things going to happen. Happen. Or sword. Public execution. That's what sword here means. If you can, you can find that in another uh, translation, probably. Uh, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Hey, Jesus went through all of those on the way to the cross. Nakedness? Yeah, he hung naked on the cross for you. Now I say naked, it, naked enough. I mean, okay? There was, there was, shame, was there shame involved? Oh, my goodness. Distress? Persecution? Yeah, yeah he, he's the poster child for persecution. Yeah, yeah. All those things happened to Jesus. Famine, well, thirst. He wasn't, his, his uh, satiation level was not at its peak. All these things didn't separate him from the love of God. Now, think carefully. Because, Adam, you said in the past that God and him were separated. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Correct? Correct. Guilty. I, I did say that because I think Scripture says that. Well, see, if these things happen, it can separate us from the love of God. No, 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 no. Let me help you out in your thinking here. Jesus went through all these things so that we don't have to. Uh, uh, what can separate us from the love of God? Nothing. Okay, and that's the answer. That's the obvious answer to all this. But he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why? So we never have to cry that. He he. Remember when we were looking at Psalm 69 on a Sunday night? His illegitimacy, his supposed illegitimacy, which wasn't illegitimate at all, is the answer to our illegitimacy. He became like illegitimate so that we uh, become the bona fide, real reality children of God. Everything that Jesus Christ done, he done, he did on our behalf. Everything. He did all these things. So that why? So that... He, we would understand that. We would know. These things don't separate us from the love of, of Christ. Yes, for a, a season, for a small time, God had forsaken him. 
Did he ultimately? No, he raised him from the dead. That's how we know that God accepted the sacrifice that Jesus offered, his own blood for our sins. We know that God said, yes, he accepted that sacrifice. Why? He raised Jesus from the dead. And when he raised Jesus from the dead, we know now that none of these things would separate us from the love of, 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 separate us from the love of Christ. Um, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. You say, wow, weird verse. Let's, we're going to put that on back burner. We'll get to it last. I am persuaded. And by the way, I am persuaded. Paul says, I'm persuaded, and Paul has persuaded me, and I'd rather listen to Paul than any other person regarding these, this passage, okay, regarding these things. A lot of people have a lot of ideas, but th the one that wins it for me is Paul. And people will say stuff like, and tell me why I can lose my salvation. And they have a verse, and they have half of an idea and a thought. And don't you suppose, and I hate questions that start off that way, no, I suppose that I'm secure in Christ as anybody who's ever been. That's what I suppose, and I suppose that Paul wrote the book on security, that God doesn't want me every day to think, oh, am I saved? Gee, I hope I'm saved. Gee, what am I going to do to keep saved? But he's the good shepherd. He shepherds me. He keeps me. He keeps the wolves at bay. If I were to stray, he's going to leave the 99 and go and get me. He's the good shepherd. Sheep don't exist because they're cunning and they're able to get away from wolves real good, they exist because they have a shepherd who's shepherding them, who knows how to keep them. He's the good shepherd. He doesn't lose any. I count on his ability. Well, I, I did that when I got saved, didn't I? Lord, I got, I got nothing. I got nothing. I got, Lord, I'm coming to you. I am broken. I don't know if I went through all these histrionics in my mind, but it's the way it worked out. I just don't want to go to hell. I got, I got nothing to commend myself. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not winning personality. I'm not wonderful. I'm not... I'm a selfish idiot. I'm a jerk. I'm a bad, fallen human being. Can you save me? And I trusted on him. And I've been trusting on him ever since. And if your message to me is you have to trust him less and trust yourself more, I'm sorry, that just fell on deaf ears. I have no idea what you're talking about. No, I'm trusting him to save me. I'm trusting him to keep me. All my confidence is in him. None of it is in me. I have an idea that if you can lose your salvation, you will lose your salvation. And I've thought that my whole life. Uh, no, no, no tribulation, no distress, no, 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 no. And all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Now I know there's a Pentecostal side of the church. You can do all things and you can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Does that mean tomorrow I'll get up and run a marathon? Probably about the five-mile mark, I think I'll have a heart attack. <laughs> I, just, I, I, I think I could build myself up. I think I could, but I, I don't think it means like, I think it means anything God wants me to do, I can do. And I qualify that with God. I think I could uh, graduate magna cum laude from Harvard Medical School at this point. I don't think so. Sorry, I don't think I have the, Wherewithal, I don't think I learned very well at this point 
you know, uh, new stuff. I, I know the Bible a lot, so I kind of, you know, but no, I, I don't think I can do all things. I think I can do these things. These are the all that he's talking about. Persecution, famine, nakedness, bad, got this, ain't nothing but a thing. And can we do all things to Christ? Yeah, I think so, in the sense of like all things that he wants us to do. Yeah, I really believe that. We're more than conquerors. Hooper, Nike is the Greek. Nike, Nike, you know, the sneakers you wear. Good marketing. I wouldn't own a pair. Where are they made anyway? No, never mind, never mind. I don't want to get political. I don't want to get political. But the good, good marketing, with that little swoosh and all that, I like that. Conqueror. I conquer on the basketball court. I just conquer, I conquer, conquer. That's it, Nike. Yep, more than conqueror. Hooper means super. Super conquerors. Overcomers. No. In all these things were more than conquerors through him that loved us. Who, the, who loves us? In Jesus Christ. Nothing's going to be able to separate us from his love. In all these things, we're, we're more than conquerors. I'm persuaded. I'm persuaded. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm persuaded of that too. Ten things here. We won't go through them all. Uh, death, death ain't nothing but a thing. I ain't gonna make us, that ain't going to separate us from the love of Christ. It's going to bring us into his presence. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. A little thing like death, you think that God doesn't love you anymore because you die? No, he's going to, no, he loves you. Now he gets to hug you. Yay. Now I get to see his face. Death. Life, hey, you're living now. Are you separate from Christ? No, my whole life is about him. What? Life, death, no. Angels, right? The, the biggest, baddest, most fearsome, ferocious angel. He runs around like a roaring lion. He's seeking whom he may devour. Has he devoured you? No. Why? Greater is he that is in you, the Spirit of God, than he that is in the world. Satan can't. All his minions can't. The good angels can't and wouldn't. <laughs> no, no angels. No What's a principality? It's an area over which there is a prince. And it's just talking about different ranks of angels, okay? Your geography. I live in... Have you, I, I don't know, some of you guys are like spiritually sensitive to like areas I'm really not, but I, I believe that some people really are. So when you're driving through, a, you can almost know who the, the demon is the, over that area. Some of, you, some of you guys can do that. Some of you tell me about things like that. Yeah. So if you live in a certain geography, <laughs> you're done. now. That's silly. Not principalities. No powers, no things present, no things. Well, something could happen in the future. No, we've gone through all that. There's nothing that's going to separate us from the love of Christ. Not height, not depth, nor any other creature. I'm just, listen, let me sum it up. Not any other creature. There's nothing out there. There is no ghost or goblin or Martian. or There's nothing. There's nothing out there, Paul says, that can separate you from the love of Christ. Nothing. Not height, not depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you realize we're not separated from the love of Christ in verse 35? and verse 39, we're not separated from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ. He's got you coming and going. He's got it all sewn up. You worry to, to your own, you're wasting energy. Now, I'm not 
I really want to say this about you feeling condemned at all. This isn't about being condemned. This is about entering into the things that God has for us. Hallelujah, God, thanks for loving me. And now you're going to sit there and you're going to say to me, Adam, I don't deserve it. Amen. Uh, No disagreement. No disagreement. You don't. It's called grace. Uh, Hallelujah. No, I don't deserve it. And we've never understood love like this. There's nothing to compare it to. All of the love in our life is kind of semi-conditional. It shouldn't be. Parents' love probably comes the closest, right, to being unconditional. But, uh, you know, we try to, you know, do, do things to please people. You, if you're married, it's because you worked your tail off trying to please somebody, trying to show somebody, like, this is a really bad idea, but let me show you why it's a good idea that you should give me your life and, and marry me. And, and so we work really hard. We, you know, we ooze charm, and now we're suave and debonair and words like that, trying to woo somebody. And then if I treated her, like on our first date, if I told her, like, yeah, and, and I, if she saw the real me on our first date, that probably wouldn't have been the second date. But anyway, we try real hard to show, and it's kind of like a reward for being like a good person. They, all right, all right, I'll marry you. And, we, and our whole life is like that. And we don't understand. I can't love you anymore. I wouldn't love you any less. It's quite independent of your activity. Now, yes, you should do good because give God a life that he can bless. Absent that, I just give you a hundred and one reasons, well, a lot of reasons why he's not going to separate. Oh, you had a bad week? Well, I'm done with you. I don't, listen, I've read the Bible through 44 times, okay? I'm on my 45th time. I've never run in that verse yet. It may exist, but I haven't seen it. One more thought. It is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. I read it. I didn't comment on it. It came uh, from Psalm 44. Let's go there quick. I'll go over a minute or two, but not much. That's not a plus, Adam. (laughs) That doesn't show me. Uh, If I was trying to show somebody... That God, nothing that uh, I could ever do will separate me from love. I don't think I'd bring up that point. Um, uh, listen, I think I want to read it in the... Uh, yeah, yeah, I got it in uh, English Standard Version. And in verse... Verse 8 ends with a Selah. Think about that. Verse 9, new idea. Or thought connector, if you will. The psalmist is pouring out his complaint to God, and he says, but you have rejected us and disgraced us and have not gone out with our armies. You have made us turn back from the foe, and those who hate us have gotten spoil. You have made us like sheep for slaughter and have scattered us among the nations. See, that's where he gets that, and that's why he's quoting. And he's quoting this as a testimony to, there's nothing you can do to lose God's love for you that will separate you from the love of God. You've made us like sheep for slaughter and have scattered us among the nations. You have sold your people for a trifle, demanding no high price for them. You have made us the taunt of our neighbors and the derision and scorn of those around us. You have made us a byword among the nations, a laughingstock among the peoples. All day long my disgrace is before me and shame has covered my face at the sound of the taunter and reviler at the sight of the enemy and the avenger. 
All this has come upon us, though we have not forgotten you and we have not been false to your covenant. Okay, it's starting to turn now a little bit, right? Our heart has not turned back, nor have our steps departed from your way. Yet you have broken us in the place of jackals and covered us with the shadow of death. If we had forgotten the name of our God or spread out our hands to a foreign God, would not God have discovered this? For he knows the secrets of the heart. Yet, for your sake, we are killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Awake! Why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust. Our belly clings to the ground. Rise up. Come to our help. Redeem us for the sake of your, what? Steadfast love. Steadfast. It doesn't change. It doesn't waver. It's steadfast. Does God love us? Yes. How does he love us? Steadfastly. So it, it kind of shows us all the things. But at the end of it, they can still call out to God. Why? Because they know he still loves us. It's not, does he take us to our paces? Yeah. All things work together for good to them and love the Lord who called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestine to become the, under the likeness of the image of his son. Sometimes those are bad things. Allah, Psalm 44. But at the end, we can rest. We know that God loves us. His love is steadfast. Okay, are you up against it today? I know this. Know this. God loves you. There's nothing, there's nothing you can do that will stop him from loving you. Now, some of you are parents. What does your kid do? So you say, that's enough. I hate you now. Moms are aghast right now. They can't even conceive of a time where they would hate their children. We're not perfect. And our love is amazing. God, who is our Heavenly Father, His love is more amazing. Amen? Okay. Our worship uh, team will come. They'll send us out of here in song. We'll stand. We'll pray. God, you are amazing. Your love is amazing. I hope I've communicated that at least a little bit, at least somewhat. It's not conditional on our activity, Lord. You... Christ demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And now that you've brought us into your forever family, now that we're your own dear children, I know, I know, very often, Lord, we're not who we're supposed to be. We're not who we say that we are. But you're working to bring about the changes in us that make us more like Jesus Christ. To this we say, Alleluia, Amen. Praise your holy name. Because if there's one thing we want, Lord, it's to be like Jesus. So, Lord, we thank you for this time in your word. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that there's nothing that can separate us from your love. And, Father, minister to hearts now and help us to understand and to get these, these truths. Now, may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.